1: Here it is, folks, another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Stephen, and holy crap, we're coming close to the end of season one of Just Another Fanboy. Getting there, we're getting close. This is what, episode 67, maybe? I don't know, I've kind of lost track. But with episode number 70, we will wrap up season one. I'm gonna take two weeks off, and I'll come back to you in 2020 with all new episodes, season two, and I got a lot of books sitting on my digital stack. For example, I'm going to try to read all the ElfQuest books in 2020. That's my goal for 2020, to get through all of the ElfQuest books, and I'm going to talk about them on the show. I just haven't quite decided how I'm going to do that yet. They have available through Comixology the... The, the giant, like, 450-page collections. And while each one of those giant collections feel like too much to talk about in one episode, the thought of doing an episode per issue, that also sounds, that also just feels overwhelming. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it just yet, but that's one of my goals for 2020, is to get through all of the ElfQuest books. I've been listening to a lot of... Well, not a lot, just a couple so far. Audiobooks, and I want to continue listening to audiobooks because if you pay attention at all to the beginning of each episode when I say that just I'm just a regular guy talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, TV, and books, well, I haven't really talked about a lot of books except for Dragonlance, which I hope to have the last the last episode, the I hope to have the last episode of 2000, blah, blah, blah. I hope to have the final episode of season one be that last book in the Dragonlance Chronicles, but I don't know. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about a comic, Manifest Destiny, volume two, Amphibia and Insecta. Now, I've already talked about volume one. That was way back on episode 19 from September 27th. So now we're talking about volume two. Not sure why I waited so long between the two. And frankly, volume two, I read through Hoopla. And I actually checked the book out a couple of, I don't know, maybe in late October, early November, and I started to read it. And then something shiny happened in my peripheries and I got distracted and then just didn't go back. And so recently I checked it out again, started it from the beginning because I think I got about an issue and a half into it, sat down the other day and just read it completely through and immediately wanted to check out volume three and start reading it as well. But I don't want to get, I didn't want to get into volume three while I'm still trying to talk about volume two in this episode. So I haven't, I have not spent one of my checkouts because if anybody who uses Hoopla knows, depending on what library they go through, they're only allowed a certain number of borrows each month, and I get four. And actually, I've kind of <laughs> got around that a little because my daughter—well, all all three of my kids have library cards, and my daughter is letting me use hers on Hoopla as well because she doesn't she doesn't have a a, a device. To use hoopless. So technically I I now get eight borrows a month. And I'm trying to use those now to listen and to audiobooks. Anyway, Manifest Destiny Volume 2, Amphibia and Insecta. And you know what? I didn't write down when this was published, which makes me feel bad. It makes it hurts my it hurts my heart. And now I kind of want to throw up because I left what I feel in my slightly OCD brain as a key piece of information for this episode. I left it out. But we're going to get beyond that. You and me, we're going we're gonna to embrace philosophically? No, that's not the right word. We're just going to get past it. How about we do that? So this was written by Chris Dengis, art by Matthew Roberts, colors by Owen Jenny, letters by Pat Brousseau, and the editor was Sean Makowitz. So this continues the adventures of Lewis and Clark and their exploits along the Missouri River with Sacagawea and of course many others i often find it i find it funny when, when i when i really think about it you know when you're in grade school and you, and you learn very little about lewis and clark it, it always feels like it's just lewis clark and sacagawea and that's it in a, in a lone canoe one canoe just the three of them riding down the missouri but that's not the case they're in a larger boat there's a crew They have, uh, or at least in this book, they've got a crew of people. They have soldiers with them. The main difference, however, between the adventures of Lewis and Clark in real life and what's happening in this book is that there are monsters out there in the wilderness. And they certainly encounter a lot of them. So when last we left our intrepid explorers, they had left the horrors of La Charette behind. The final, the final the previous volume, volume one, had them meeting Sagawe at La Charette, which was the is the last Euro American settlement on the Missouri. and they had to deal with uh, zombie plant people, some strange plant that turned people into zombies, plant zombie people. that's that's about all I can. that's that's the best way to put it. So now they're 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 past that. They continue on down the Missouri. And as our volume opens up, they get stuck on the river. Something, they slam into something underwater and their boat is stuck. Clark gathers up some men and they go ashore with some ropes to try to pull the boat free from whatever it's stuck upon there in the river. And while they're out there doing that, Lewis decides he wants to to get in the river and see what it is they're stuck on because they... The men are, you know, around the the sides of the boat with these big poles, poking it down on the water, and they can't, it's not a sandbar, it's the, the water seems very deep, so there's something directly beneath the boat that they are trapped on. And so Lewis strips down to his birthday suit, he's wearing nothing but a pair of goggles, and he gets into the river, jumps into the river, swims down below the boat to see if he can spy what it is they're stuck on. And he is quite surprised to find that they are stuck. They've run into the top of this arch made out of plants. And it's not the first arch that they have seen. In the previous volume, they ran into one of these out in the wilderness. And this is when they first encountered the buffalo minotaur men. They called them minotaurs, but they were like centaurs with the bodies of horses and then the the torso of a man, but the head of a buffalo. And they were very large and they were very fierce and, and, and killed a few of their men. But beyond the fact that they're stuck on this arch, attached to this arch are what appear to be eggs. And so he gets out of the water and he climbs back onto the boat and he's trying to let Clark know, he's trying to get a message to him, shout at him over the, you know, onto the shore that they need to get back to the boat. Besides whatever they're trying to do there to, to pull the boat free, they basically, they they have men on either side of the shore, on, on, on either side. They have ropes attached to the boat on either side. And then they're trying to use trees as kind of pulleys and they're pulling on the ropes and they can't get the, they can't get the boat free. So they pile into their smaller boats and they they get back on the river and they're heading for the big the ship when something comes out of the water and turns over one of these little boats and it looks like a, basically a giant frog but it's it's tongue it has like seven tongues and it's very it's very monstrous demonic looking and it, it kills some men and so Clark and all his soldiers are now stuck on the shore while Lewis and a few people are stuck in the boat and we spend the, ish, the, the volume with the boat, the ship being stuck there on the river and them trying to come up with a plan to get it free. Now, even if they get the ship free, they can't get the men from the shore back to the ship because of this big giant frog toad creature giant thing. And so Lewis has this plan. He, he loads up a rifle. And he has one of his men throw a big hunk of meat into the air over the river and the, the giant frog jumps out of the water and he takes a shot at it and he misses. And he tries this on a number of occasions and, it, and he, he's just not getting anywhere. Now, in the meantime, Clark and all the other men, they're out, they're they're on the shore and they decide to go ahead and continue the mission while they're there. And they head out into the woods to gather up plants and, and, and animals, you know, just... Things out of nature that are not normally seen by man. That's one of the reasons why they're there is to catalog the flora and the fauna. Well, one of the things they encounter are these giant mosquitoes. And when these mosquitoes quote unquote bite somebody, they spear them with that freaking thing on their head and start sucking their blood. It puts them to sleep. And so two of the two of the folks that go out, they, they get attacked by these mosquitoes. And then the men find them and they bring them back. And they're not dead, they're, they're sleeping. And so they come to, but then we discover that while this mosquito was, was feeding on these people, it also laid an egg under their skin. And so another, a smaller mosquito, which is still like, I don't know, the size of your hand bursts out of these, these people. And it's, it's really awesome and gross at the same time. And they discover. Also, while they're there, there are these blue flowers. And Sagajwea notices that there are no flies on their side of the river. And she can see flies on the other side of the river. And the only difference she can see between the two sides is that their side has all these blue flowers. So she deduces there's something about these flowers that keeps insects away. And so they, they rig up this, this system of, of ropes between the ship and the shore so they can pass information and supplies and whatnot back and forth and so the stuff that they've collected on the shore they they send back to the ship and two of their men went, okay so the two people that first encounter these mosquitoes it's this there's a there's a woman one of the survivors of La charette she wanted to go to shore with these men she didn't want to stay on the ship and Captain Clark had assigned one of the soldiers a corporal to watch over her while they were on the ship and now that they're on the shore because while he has a lot of soldiers with him, He, they also have a lot of men who are in prison. And this is their way of getting out of prison is to be on this this expedition. And he knows that there are a lot of unsavory men on their their expedition. And so he has this corporal keep an eye out on this girl because he doesn't want anything to happen to her. He didn't want to these, you know, you got a woman on a boat with all these men. Some, some of them are, are very unsavory. He doesn't want something to happen. So- they go out to explore. They all split up and go out to explore. And she goes, her and the corporate, corporal are out there. And that's when the corporal decides, you know what? We're alone. And I think you dig me and I dig you. So let's have some fun, baby. And she's a young girl. She's 17. And she tries to hold off his advances. And she says, no, you're misreading things. I, you know, I appreciate you keeping me safe and watching over me, but that's not what this is about. And he says, he's basically like, well, doesn't matter because that is that is what this is about. And he, uh, he tries to rape her there in the forest. And if it wasn't for these giant mosquitoes that come down and attack him and her, he would have done something very vile and evil. So at one point, they all meet back up. They've gone out there. They're doing their exploring. They're gathering up flora and fauna. And then they all meet back. And they realize that this woman and the corporal are still out there. So they go back out to find them. They bring them back. And that's when they discover the, the mosquito eggs inside of them. But then they also realize that another two men, when they had gone back out to look for these two, they never came back. So they know that they have to do something about these mosquitoes. They can't go back into the forest while these mosquitoes are out there to get their men because, well, they're giant freaking mosquitoes. And so they send some of these flowers and a note over to the ship and tell Lewis, it's like, okay, this is what's going on. We need some help. Here's these flowers that seem to repel insects. Is there something you can do with that? And Lewis takes the flowers. He grinds it down. He uses some alcohol to to get the essence of the flowers out. And he creates a spray insecticide, and he sends it back. They go and they get these men back, and they're covered in these bumps that are eggs all over them. and. They survive, but they have to uh, cut out all of these eggs, these these little mosquitoes out from them. And it was, it was very horrifying. So in the meantime, now, Lewis, he's still back on the ship and he's trying to figure, he, he hasn't killed this giant frog yet. And then he decides, he, he comes up with a plan, a way to both kill the frog and get them unstuck at the same time. And he loads up the cannon with the harpoon and they take this corporal who they have discovered now that tried to rape this 17-year-old girl. And they use him as bait. They hang him over the river for this, uh, this frog to get. And at first he's hanging there and the frog's not taking the bait. So Captain Clark, I think it was Clark, shoots the corporal in the leg so that his blood will drip into the water. And then that's when the, the frog leaps out of the water and latches onto the man's leg and tears tears his leg off. They shoot it with the harpoon. It tries to escape and swims away very fast and it pulls the boat right off of the arch. And then, and then the thing dives. So the harpoon doesn't kill it, and it dives. It starts to pull the boat down with him. And uh, that's when Lewis leaps into the water with a knife and just kills the beast by stabbing it like 29 times or something. It was it was a really good it was a really good volume. I'm really loving this story so far. I never, I don't know, there there was never a time that I was just sitting around thinking, you know what I would really like to see? I would like to see Lewis and Clark fighting monsters. Why, Why has no one ever written that book? This is one of these stories that I just stumbled across. This book, I just stumbled across it because again, I haven't read any comics over the last decade. And so there's been a lot of stuff that has come out that I Just completely missed. So this may have been a big thing when it was coming out. Because it came out, I I think it came out during the past decade. But of course, I missed it completely. And again, this is not something I was necessarily looking for. And yet it was at the same time. Because once I stumbled across it, I said, this is is right up my street. Especially coming up, I think, in Volume 4, they meet the elusive Sasquatch. So that... That may have been how I stumbled across this. I think I was looking for, I did a search on Bigfoot comics or something. I don't quite recall, but the story continues. It's just as good. Volume two is just as good, if not better than volume one. As I said at the beginning, I was just, I just freaking read the whole thing in one day and I was really ready to start reading volume three, but I couldn't just like with Crowded, which we talked about this week. I don't want to continue on with the story until I've had a chance to talk about it on the show. Now I can continue on with the story and I'm really excited because it's just, it's just an all around, it it hits all of my buttons. It's while it's not the old West, it's close enough. You've got monsters. The art is beautiful. the The story is told well. I can't tell you how many times over this last year that I've stumbled across a book and I'm slightly enjoying it. And then I get to some some pages that just that just read weird. They they will suddenly shift scenes or shift narrative or or the the panels don't flow very well together and it just takes me out of the story, but this is one from panel 1 to the last panel of the volume, I'm just hooked the entire time. There's there's never a point in either of these volumes that I had to stop and scratch my head and go, "Okay, how did we get to this point?" and then start backing up and reread some stuff. We also learned in this volume a bit of backstory about Meriwether Lewis and how President, I think it was President Jefferson, now I'm not sure, I feel like an idiot now, he asks Lewis to to, to go on this expedition and offers him, you know, riches and, you know, wealth and power and I'll, I'll give you a governorship and, and at first Lewis says no and we learn that Lewis is is quite the deviant. He uh he spends time with well, and I'll use quote unquote deviant for the time, definitely, because he he uh he dallied with both men and women uh off times at the same time. Now I don't know if that's if that's true. I don't know if there was ever actual rumor about that in regard to this historical figure. I don't know. I don't care, but the president uses that against him and says, Look, you're gonna do this. Otherwise, I'll just have to tell everybody what kind of person you are. And Lewis says, okay, now I'm confused. Are, are you telling me that I have to go on this expedition because of your threat? Or am I still going to also get the wealth and power? And the guy says, you're going to get it all, buddy. And that's when he goes and he visits his his old friend, Bill Clark, says, come with me on this expedition. And they were, they were Indian fighters at one point and apparently saw... Something, some kind of action. They did something in their past. They kind of allude to it that was not a good thing. It was very horrifying to them, apparently. And this is, they're both dealing with it in their own ways. And for Clark, he at first, he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be an Indian fighter again. I can't do this. And he says, No, that's not what we're doing. We're going to go explore and, and there's a good chance that we may never come back. And he's like, I'm on it. Let's do this. And so he's throwing himself into what he considers a suicide mission. He is he doesn't want to relive whatever he's done in the past, but at the same time he's not content to just stay on his farm or wherever he lives and just live with himself and what he has done in the past. So he's throwing himself into the suicide mission one last great adventure for the country. That he feels he's not going to come back from. Really good. Really good. I just, I, I, I like the inclusion. Very small part of the story, the inclusion, just a little bit of their backstory. We start to learn a little bit of their motivation, why they would, why they would do this. Who signs up for this? Who signs up knowing? Because when the president is talking to Lewis, he shows them, he says, he basically says, okay, we have purchased. 25,000 square miles of land. I don't remember how much it is, you know, from the French, very cheaply. We need somebody to explore it. But further, but more than that, here's something that somebody brought back from this area of land that we purchased, and it appears to be the skull of a cyclops. And I've read before that maybe one of the reasons the, the legend of the cyclops came to bleat, blah, blah, blah. One of the reasons uh, that the legend of the Cyclops came to be is that people were coming across elephant skulls, which has a big hole in the front of their skull where their their trunk would be. and people would mistake that as an eye. Well, this is definitely a Cyclops skull. It's got the it's got the one eye, it's got a freaking horn, it's got fangs. Lewis theorizes that it's it's a native. That has some kind of birth defect. We also learned that Lewis, while he's a scholar, he's an educated man, he he's a student of everything, but an expert at nothing. So he's like dabbles in all kinds of fields of study, but not enough, not enough that he has it's like he's a he's a career college student that has never picked a major. That's the way I kinda I kind of read that. But volume two. Manifest Destiny. If you're not reading these, you should add them to your pile because it's it's really good. Anyway, that's my episode. My name is Steven. Again, coming up to the end of Season 2. Until then, I'm Just Another Fanboy. Be nice to each other, folks. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Steven or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Orr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. Good job.
0: (gasps)